Okay, welcome back to Firewall. As usual, I'm your host, Bradley Tusk. With me, as usual, is our friend and producer, Hugo Lindgren. Hugo, how's it going? It's going well, uh, Bradley. Uh, welcome to uh, cold-ass New York. Yeah, it's going to be like this for roughly, I think I did the math, like, like seven, there's like 70 more days until you get to April or something like that, or 78 days, something like that. And I think like, there's like a dozen of them or so that I'm not in New York. But even of those, it's like not warmer places either. So I, I think I'm in for... Uh, a hellscape here for a little bit. And how much do you, I mean, as a lifelong New Yorker, like, does the weather, I mean, like, today is cold, but it's not it's like... It's manageable. It's manageable, and it's also not, like, when we were kids, like, a day like today, you wouldn't even you wouldn't even remark on it. Right. Um, I would say the older I get, the less interested I am in being cold. Right. Uh, and I could certainly... <laughs> is that a little sad to think about? Like, I mean, that's just, I guess that's just the reality, right? Right. So I could see a world where at some point in my life, maybe not spending the winter in a cold weather climate, if, right. if that were logistically feasible. But um, but no, and this doesn't, you know, today's weather doesn't really change my day-to-day actions one way or the other. Does it change yours? Uh, no, not at all. I, I just forgot to wear a hat this morning. But you were in Miami, so... Yes, where you, it was quite warm. And, and did you, like, get off the plane and you're like, oh, yeah, Miami... I don't know if I felt that. I got off the plane and took off my sweater. Right. Uh, wore a T-shirt, and that was nice. Um, I mean, I don't have, like, Miami doesn't have any sort of emotional significance to me that by landing it brings back good memories, bad memories. I did go there a ton as a kid because my grandparents lived there. Right. Um, but still, it doesn't really have that much of a hold on me. Um, so it, it wasn't, um, it, you know, when I landed, it was just like, okay, now I need an Uber. Now I need to get to my friend's house. It wasn't like... You know, here or just rush of emotions coming back to me and shaping my whole perspective. So you stayed with uh, a college friend mm-hmm. and another college friend. Another college came friend in. and his wife came in, and my friend uh, moved from LA to Miami a couple of years ago. Got married, had a kid. So he was ahead of the the, the curve on that. He moving. was a little ahead, but he was going for the same reasons, which is just he's a really, really uh, successful private equity guy and um, has a lot of carry coming his way, and uh, it's a lot cheaper. Ba- basically. His house, which is fairly spectacular, if you take the difference that he will save in taxes between just California state taxes and Florida, it's like he got a free house. <laughs> free house. Um, and has let's, uh, we have some sort of deeper kind of lifelong reflection type stuff, friendship stuff, career stuff to talk about based on your weekend. But just let's stay with your friend for a second because I'm just a little curious about him. Yeah. Was there anything about his transition? Because I'm both like sort of envious of people who moved to Miami and also uh, feel like a little condescending towards them. Um, No, because here's the thing. He lived in Malibu on the beach and it was beautiful. Right. But it wasn't like he was doing urban living. Right. right. He had a house that was still, even if it was f- much smaller than this one, was still at least a couple of thousands, 4,000 square feet, something like that, right, right? <laughs> on, on the Pacific Coast Highway. So um, he wasn't, it wasn't like a Manhattan lifestyle to a then much more suburban. And he does live, uh, it lives in a place called Star Island, but it is it is right downtown, kind of on a, a bridge across from South Beach and from downtown. And so. Wait, that's not where the, the where Ivanka lives with. No, no. no. I asked him that. Uh, there, but, what, what island are they on? Yeah, some other Fisher Island or yeah, some other some island. But 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 you know, I mean, he does live. Even though his his he lives in a, a house, and and where he lives are all just homes. 
Um, you know, there's buildings everywhere you look from him. So it's not Miami's a real city. And like, to, I think we've discussed on the podcast before. I believe it's the third best skyline in the country um, <laughs> after New York and Chicago. So uh, it's not. What's, what would even be contender for third? Like Seattle, San Francisco. Oh yeah, Miami. the Space Needle thing in Seattle. Yeah. That just wins right there, right? Uh, I, I would put it behind Miami, but I do think it's pretty good. San Francisco has a pretty good skyline. You know, Vegas has an iconic skyline. Yeah. You just have to decide what what category it goes into. Right. Right. Okay. So he's 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 happy there, but the adjustment to to Miami just as culture. I mean, I think for him, keep in mind he got married and had a child, so those are much bigger adjustments to your life. Yeah, yeah. Than, than where your house happens to be. Yeah. The cultural difference between and again florida and california are different places but in some ways they're like the warm weather place people go to escape from the northeast correct um so you went down there you hung with your friends all weekend mm -hmm. um and you got you started was this something you guys were talking about no it was, it was back a little last minute no it was well, i mean first of all the trip itself was my, my friend van shot me a note a couple of weeks ago so maybe like a week or so before the break and just said hey uh, been talking about going to Miami for the weekend. Would you want to go? And I was like, Yeah, I would. And look, we are incubating um, Grillari Sports Betting Platform in Miami, uh -huh. and Matt Yale, who's one of the two co CEOs of Test Strategies, lives in Miami. So I felt like it was there was value in me going down there anyway and seeing people on their home turf. Can you explain why you guys decided to put that company down in Miami? That's because simply Evan Kalen, who's the CEO, um, that's where he wanted to be. He's from Florida, and he felt like he could attract the right engineering talent there, and he has. So. Um, so you 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 spent the weekend with your friends, and I guess you were texting me when you were on your way back, and I, so you had this question, I guess, that was on your mind. So I'll sure. I'll ask it. Um, what did you expect in your teens or twenties to be true when you hit middle age? Um, that turned out not to be true. Yeah, and I'll um, I didn't didn't bring notes with me, so I'll probably ask you to tell me what I said. <laughs> okay. But but I do remember the the, the main point of all. Do of you it. want me to go through your answers and then have you comment on them? Uh, yeah, I'll, let me give you my first one because okay. I remember it, and then go I'll ahead. and then I'll go from there. Which is, you know, there's there's not one fixed point of life, right? Where you're like, oh, okay all good or all bad or failure or success there could be all bad you just don't know what that could is be. right yeah, yeah i saw a guy in the yet. street today or yesterday walking around and that guy had hit all bad i think yeah but it's anyway when you see people like that in yeah. this you know in this weather especially but I, um, okay your point but point being i'm sitting in this gorgeous house right with a, a friend who i really care about and the, all three of us have sort of done different things, but kind of equally well. So it's not like anyone felt at a disadvantage to the other person in terms of career success or wealth or anything else like that. And I was really happy to be there and, and happy to see his wife and meet his baby and, and all of that stuff. Um, but I think I just would have anticipated some sense of satisfaction or achievement or something to say, okay, I've known these two guys for almost 30 years. I started college in 1991. I think I met them both my sophomore year. Um, and have been friends with them ever since, and things have gone, you know, pretty much according to plan, or maybe not according to plan, but they've gone pretty well, right? I'm not sure that my particular journey was was foreseeable in the way that it f unfolded, but um, but I don't know. There wasn't this moment of satisfaction that I expected to feel, and it was it was n conspicuous in its absence, even though I hadn't thought about feeling it until I was on the way back and realized I hadn't. If that makes sense. I guess it does. It does make sense, but it, but this isn't something you guys talked about. This was just no. Like, this was so just guys... me from a meta standpoint. I kind of felt like it was one of those weekends where I was like on the outside, like I was physically part of the conversation. It was only you know a small group of people, 
I was physically at the table in the conversation, whatever it was, but I also felt like I was weirdly like looking in on the whole thing from kind of a meta perspective too. And that, that was that kind of in a good way, like feeling? No, like, no, I don't think so. Um, wasn't in a bad way, but it was a little bit of, you know, it's a reminder. Look, I think I've talked about this in the podcast before. Like I had a pretty shitty childhood, right? You know, I just got bullied the entire time and just didn't really have the internal support that one would need to, to deal with it effectively. And when I was a kid, one of the ways that I would get myself through it uh, is to say, like, okay, I don't have a good personal life right now. Maybe I never will. But I am going to be so wildly successful and impactful and well-known and important and rich and all of these things, right? How old were you when you started thinking that? Was that like 8, 10 or older? Yeah, it probably in that like middle school-ish range uh-huh. where you can form a little more sophisticated thoughts. Right. Um, and then in some ways this Miami trip was like... Here you are. Here you are, right? You have achieved absolutely everything that you could have wanted. And by the way, you know, if half the shit we have going on succeeds, it's going to be exponentially bigger and better in the next 10 years, right? We're, we're just at the at the starting line in some ways. Um, but it didn't change it, right? The, the pain that you feel of your childhood, whatever it is, like work, being good at work, look, obviously comes with a lot of rewards. The first reward being if you don't hate what you do. If you hate what you do, you just sucks, right? Because a huge chunk of your life is spent in misery. And that's true of a lot of people. Right, who either hate it or just sort of could take it or leave it, um, and then the second thing would be remuneration, right? Of which obviously um, it would be stupid to say that it doesn't matter because it does. Um, so you put those two things together, and and there's a lot there in and of itself, but it's not the entirety of your your life and your being, and kind of no matter how successful you've been, um, it doesn't change the other problems, right? And I think on some level, even though I intellectually knew better at this point at the age of 48. I think there was maybe a moment where I was sitting, I was expecting to just sit there and be like, oh, yeah. See, that's what I predicted. That's what I asked for. And by the way, it was a helpful deal to strike as a kid because you need something, right? Like, I'm, I'm in no way identifying with this, but when a kid does come to school with a gun or a kid kills himself or whatever it is, I, I kind of understand a little bit of what, what they must have been going through because you have to come up with different ways to get yourself through it. And... I came up with one that was relatively harmless, but what's interesting about it is that even though it then proved true, um, it wasn't accurate. Well, there's moments where you see the same things differently, right? So in this context, um, you were expecting to sort of a, a, a feeling of contentment that just wasn't sort of accessible to you like over the weekend. Yes. But it is accessible to you other times, right? It is sometimes, but I think that I not because there is a culmination of professional success that then says, "Hey, here's you." But the weird thing was, like, I mean, I, I happened to do some business with with both of them a, a lot with with Ven, some some with, with Lauren. But um, you know, we're friends; we're not business partners, um, and yet, um, and we know each other personally, not through 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 work. Um, but yeah, I was sort of expecting this this moment. Uh, or feeling of satisfaction or completion or something that that evaded me, and I think the evasion of it for some reason felt really noteworthy. So, be more specific about where, like, your vision when you were younger of what, or, or maybe maybe it wasn't specific. Like, I mean, I don't think you know. I was 
a kid, right? So you, your view of the world is somewhat. Did you feel like politics was your thing even yes. then? You did. Okay. Yeah, I did. And I thought it was a path out, right? right? But for, for two reasons. One that I didn't quite understand at the time, but what proved to be true is it is a business that you can have a lot of success at a very young age, right? So if you are really good at what you do and you are willing to work unbelievably hard for these people who are typically lunatics and make, you know, for the amount of responsibility you have very little money compared to people in the private sector, um, you can rise really fast, right? So whether it was being Chuck Schumer's communications director in the U.S. Senate when I was 26 or deputy governor of the entire state of Illinois when I was 29, um, it, it, it gave you an escape velocity that's probably hard to replicate anywhere other than like professional sports or, you know, something like that. Um, but at the same time, also, I think it just it felt impactful, right? Like I have known from the day I can remember that a life where I would just live and die, even if I were perfectly happy and content throughout it, but it just kind of came and went and people at the funeral were like, hey, he was a nice guy. Like, that just doesn't work for me, right? Like, I need to have a big fucking impact on the world. And, and I try to, and sometimes it's good and sometimes less so, but, um, but I, try to, I try to do that. And so, yeah, politics was the obvious way to do that. Um, and I think even now sometimes when I feel dissatisfaction with my life or my work or myself or anything else, one thing I realize that I don't get uh, from anything I do now but that I did get when I worked in government was – you were just in the middle of it all of the time and the work that you did especially from the city government it really it did matter right it really did impact people's lives and you were dealing with an immediate crisis a fire a shooting uh, a school closing whatever it is and so just by focusing on the matter at hand it felt meaningful and important and worthwhile and i think when you have that uh look there's a lot of sacrifices that come with working in government but it does provide that, that sense of fulfillment and meaning and, and difficulty, too, that just even, even if you're me, you know, whatever you feel like doing in the private sector, um, you still don't really have. But you've built a lot of things into the company, like the philanthropy arm of the company is actually not like some side thing that just happens and some people run it and you check in from time to time. You take that as seriously as anything For else sure. you do. And, and look, the only reason ultimately that we've been able to pass legislation in 15 states where... 12 million more people now have access to food, or we've been able to make mobile voting, you know, a reality at all in seven different states, um, and are now building our own technology, is because I've made a lot of money, right? Like, yes, um, I am able to and willing to provide political support and take political and personal risk when other philanthropists might not be willing to do that. And yeah, look, for a couple of million dollars in spending on hunger, we've leveraged a couple of billion dollars in government funding. And so clear, clearly you can have a disproportionate impact if you do it. But the reality is what has moved these things forward um, is not how good I am at politics. It's how good I turn out to be making money. Right. Did it occur to you, because, and maybe this was you reflecting later after you'd left your friends, but that maybe this was something you should have talked to them about? I mean, because you know, it feels like that's I the... I wanted to a little <clears throat> bit, but it just like people had their spouses with them right. kids and like pets and I, I, I <laughs> pets I, yeah it's funny i'm not a cat guy but i really like lauren's cats uh but uh i don't know i kind of did want to and i felt like that moment never really presented itself well it seems like i mean i i, I i've had experiences similar to what you're talking about where you see friends who you don't see that regularly but you do have that kind of background with and sometimes there is like a it, it just takes a, a little while to get back into the 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 
into that sort of connective experience that you want, you know? Maybe you should do it again and have them come up here. Yeah, right. Or, may, or maybe the answer is you, you, you go to some third-party neutral site. Right, not someone's uh, home. and then not, Fitting not, into someone else's life and all that. But, right. um, but, but yeah, t- tell me what else I, I said. When, okay, when I was so I'll sitting read, in the I'll, airport in Miami yeah. yesterday, depressed I, and emailing you, tell me what I said. <laughs> okay, I'll read those quickly, and then, and then I actually uh, suggested another way for the conversation to go that we can decide whether sure. we want to do that too. Um, so you wrote, um, there's no moment of professional success where you're just good. You get used to success at all levels and money too, which means you always need more. Work success does not solve emotional trauma. Life is not that linear. People are making things up as they go along. Yeah, so I, th- I think all of that I've sort of covered yeah. already to a well, certain extent. Well, making things extent. up as they go along is a bit of interesting because what's what's interesting about what you're saying in part is that you're actually one of the like most effective people I know at making things up as they go along, right? Well, I think part of it is because you you realize at some level that you sort of assume that people making decisions in other areas that seem important, they must have a lot of training and expertise and whatever else. (laughs) And then you kind of realize it and like, you know, you're making it all up, right? So like I go on CNBC usually every other week and and sometimes they ask me about things that I really know a lot about, like tech regulation. But sometimes they ask me about like, stocks right and like i know enough that i can give a reasonably intelligent answer i'm I'm good at doing tv so it kind of comes off fine no matter what but like you know nobody should be like it's i'm 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 just giving my best opinion based on my understanding of the world not based on any specific you know study research anything like that and like so many things that we're in right like we weren't experts on book selling, but now we're becoming one, right? We weren't experts in venture capital and technology, but now we are. We weren't experts in digital religion. Nobody was, but now we are. Now, whether or not we succeed with Exalt, we'll see. But, but you know, um, so yeah, and that's the, the upside is you can accomplish far more than you probably should be able to accomplish just by fucking doing it. Um, the downside is if you think that everyone has a plan and everything under control, you're sorely mistaken. <laughs> Um, so here's the uh, as if as if that wasn't heavy enough. You're sitting in the airport telling me these thoughts. I said, okay, so let's project it forward. You're 48 years old. Um, you're feeling these sort of doubts and and big thoughts about sort of what led you to this point and and whether you'd sort of raise these unreasonable expectations on yourself in some ways. Um, how does the rest of your life look in terms of like what? How you want to feel in twenty years when you're when you're approaching seventy? Um, do you do you see things clearly in terms of I mean, like? I kind where of you, feel like I have to rethink it a little bit, to be honest. So like, do you want me to read you your, what you wrote as your expectations? Sure. Or you want to think about. It? So you said, my current expectations. But this was in response to your question of what do you think will be true in thirty years, but then it turns out it may not be. That was I was responding to your your question along those lines. I think no? that's right. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Okay, so my current expectations. One, most medical problems I will encounter will be solved or mitigated by the time I have them. Let's hope that for dementia, for sure. Yeah, Jesus. for sure. But I, I kind of think that that's, that's generally true. Now, look, I can get hit by a bus today, and that's that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, in terms of end-of-care life and the ability to extend your lifespan, we're probably at the – if you have the resources to do so and, and the wherewithal and the willpower to, to be healthy – um, you probably have a better opportunity to do that right now than at any point in human history. Like, you or I have a far better opportunity to extend our lifespans 
than the richest emperor or king a thousand years ago, or a, or a hundred years ago, for that matter. I saw something hilarious. The the uh, the cast of Sex in the City, the new the new rebooted one. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen oh, it yet. Yeah, I mean, are you gonna? No, no. <laughs> um, are older than the cast of Golden Girls when that when it was a oh, sh- really? when it was a show about like old ladies. You wow, know? <laughs> that's pretty good. Um, all right, number two of your current expectations. Technology will get us out of cataclysmic climate change and then change lifestyle changes. So, so yeah. I'm not sure I mean, what you meant by lifestyle changes. I'll explain changes. that. And, okay. and actually, let's just also, I, I sent you an uh, article this morning from the Washington Post about right. um, emissions in 2021. Now you're jumping ahead, I, I am, but, <laughs> but it, it fits. Um, being at a record high and effectively because the price of natural gas spiked so much, um, people resorted to a, a cheaper uh, fuel source, which was coal, and as a result emissions went way up. And, and what it said to me was just like, look, we have a president, Joe Biden, who does believe that climate change is real and is trying to do stuff about it and has issued a whole bunch of executive orders that are pretty good ideas. Um, and even though he's failing at it, is trying to get a lot of money allocated to, to climate programs uh, in, in new federal spending. And yet, even with the president who's saying and doing the right things, we still have one of the worst years on record, which just says to me that the, the political calculations and costs necessary to truly, truly solve climate change are never going to be real enough to happen, and it is solely going to come from technological change and market-based change. And either we develop things like carbon sequestration, which we can take CO2 out of the atmosphere, store it underground or somewhere else safely, actually reduce uh, the, the temperature, right? Um, or if we can, I think we're in really big trouble. But, but expecting our politicians to solve it for us is just folly to me. You also wrote, and this was one of your, I, 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 th- I think this is, is fascinating. Because of technology and media, things will feel like they're moving very fast and will feel very consequential. But as human beings, we'll be around the same as we are now in 30 years. Yeah, I mean, that just gets to the point of like, I mean, and this is kind of a bigger thing that I've been trying to think about lately a little bit, which is we are in some ways very advanced as a society, right? And in some ways, you know, evolution happens at a glacially slow pace over millions of years, right? And so we may be technologically at a radically different point than we were 20 years ago, and we may be at a radically different point again in, in 20 years with AI and the metaverse and everything else. But at the same time, as human beings, like we're not developing wings or like we're not like, you know, really changing in any meaningful way that makes us better equipped to handle or appreciate or, or deal with any of it. And it's almost like we're in a race, right, which is uh, – can our own evolution happen fast enough to kill us or to save us, right? So we, we produce all the tools of our own destruction, right? Nuclear weapons, um, guns, um, you know, all of the uh, things we're doing to, to destroy the climate, everything else. And we also produce solutions, right? Medicine and ideas and, and new technologies uh, and cures and things like that. And so, you know, we're doing both basically as fast as we can. We are destroying ourselves as quickly as we can and we're you know, evolving and, and, or I mean evolving, but we're developing solutions as fast as we can. And it's going to be a little bit of like, you know, can one side beat the other by a little bit, right? Can that carbon sequestration technology become real? Um, Or, you know, on the flip side, does the ROI of a pandemic, which seems so incredibly significant, right, in terms of if, if you were the pandemic and your goal was to disrupt human existence, you know, without killing a lot of people, you, you did a hell of a job if you were COVID-19. So, um, 
I don't know. It seems to me that if I'm a third party bad actor, you know, a nation state or, or a terrorist organization that really wanted to fuck with everyone, you would say you should develop as many biological weapons as you can and release them because we are uh, in, we're unable to have any defenses against them. Last one, I think, and maybe we should leave the conversation here, but we can decide after we ask it. Um, uh, this is also, I, I feel like, is a classic Bradley um, sort of uh, dilemma and maybe a good place to leave it. When we think we want calm and quiet, we realize we're bored. When everything feels uncertain, we're stressed. Finding a happy medium will be hard. Certainly hard for me. I mean, I think everybody is, is different. But, you know, the, there are days where as much as I have going on, there's, there are moments, at least, where I don't feel like I have anything to do, where I kind of look through my – I have a, a macro – here, I'll, I'll read it to you – to-do list of the big stuff on my on my list. And so here, Exalt, which is Teleroligion, Ivory, which is our gaming, TVP, which is the Metro Fund, P&T Knitwear, which is the Bookstore and Podcast Studio, Pericles, which is the Equity of Services Business Strategies, which is the consulting firm, Hunger, which is the school meal stuff. Voting, which is mobile voting, mobile blockchain, uh, Firewall, which is this podcast, uh, Column for Fast Company, Gorilla, which is the esports betting company I mentioned, Gotham Book Prize and, and Teaching at Columbia. Um, at, at any given moment, I'll look at all those and say, the people who are doing these things for me and with me are on it, and they know what they're doing, and the truth is I could annoy them right now with more questions, and sometimes I do, <laughs> but sometimes you know, the best thing I can do is leave them alone and let them do their jobs. And at those moments, I start to think about, well, okay, what if we did this thing differently or that, whether it was within those businesses or more likely creating something new um, entirely, right? And then I stretch ourselves, I stretch us way too thin again. But at the same time, if you're just enjoying kind of the fruits of your labor and you're not really expanding or growing or innovating on that at all, at least for me, it gets pretty boring pretty fast. So I think finding that happy medium of contentment. And look, may, maybe the answer is this. The more driven you are, the more ambitious you are, the more insecure you are, um, the more you will succeed from a professional monetary standpoint, uh, but the harder it will be for you to find contentment. And I think if there's a, a common theme to sum up the last 20 minutes of conversation, you know, may, maybe that's effectively it. Why don't we leave it there, Bradley? I think we have a lot of other things to talk about. We'll get to them next week, but okay. I think that was a good... Um, a, a good summation of of, uh, of you know where your weekend was and where your head was. All right. Well, if this episode didn't depress all of you too much, we'll be back on Thursday with a new one. Uh, I promise to make. Actually, it... I think it's going to be Friday because we're recording it Thursday. Okay. But, uh, you know, Friday. But in any case, later I, this I week. I promise to make it uh, a, a little more upbeat than this one has been. But uh, yeah, hope everyone's staying safe. Thanks, Bradley.